0: If you enjoy listening to Voices in Cloud, check out David Linthicum's reports on gigaohm.com. They're about data complexity and cloud solutions, addressing many of the topics covered in this podcast series.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the GigaOM Voices in Cloud podcast. This is the one place where you can hear from industry thought leaders providing no-nonsense advice on how to succeed with cloud computing, IoT, edge computing, and cognitive computing. I'm Dave Lintegam, best-selling author, speaker, executive, and Biliski. And joining me today is my special guest, Jeff Dickey. So Jeff is a forward and creative thinker, leader in the technology and business strategy space, including product development and partnership relationships in a in the enterprise uh, technology and cloud space. And during 20 plus years of work experience, Jeff has built a strong track record for identifying and nurturing emerging technologies. These companies often develop powerful market adoption and or end up successful using doing successful exits. So that's always a good thing. Yeah, get your money out of there. Yeah, he has deep understanding as for what it takes for companies to accelerate the adoption of new technology to transform their business, drive ROI, and compete in a new marketplace. He has 10 years of cloud experience, 15 years of consulting and spent several years on technology advisory boards for Intel, Dell, VMware and others and a few different sh- uh, he's he's been on a few different podcasts including GeekWire and uh, OpenStack podcast we won't hold him against that. How are you doing Jeff? I'm doing great. How are you? So anything we missed? Going on what's what are you got what are you doing these days and I think we used to work together, correct?
0: Yeah, well, we've done. We've done. I was trying to look it up. Um, I know we were on each other's podcasts in 2014, but you know there was one even before that, but I, I, I couldn't find it. it yeah. Before that. Yeah,
1: I think this is my fourth podcast in the last. Oh, I, hold on, there was Soa podcast. There was a cloud podcast. These are and Soa podcast was in for World. There was a cloud podcast also in for World. Um, there was my podcast. Um, when i owned blue mountain labs and there was the CTP yeah. podcast when i was at ctp uh now um you know lots of other podcasts with current employers and things like that it's a really good way to spread the spread the word because you and i will spend about 20 minutes having a very easy discussion without hemming and hawing over what we said in the words you know it's almost like it you know in doing blogs you know, I have a tendency to kind of think that's too slow. You know, the, the market's moving too quickly. We have to get get the information out there quickly. So you're with, um, you're with NetApp now. And so what do you do for those guys?
0: Yeah, so I'm spreading the good news on uh, our, our cloud products. I think uh, a lot of folks don't know that we have uh, not only a cloud product, but a, a you know, plethora of cloud products. Um, most people still think of us as enterprise storage in the data center.
1: Well, that's the legacy, right? But it, it's all, all these companies have to kind of change their stripes and, and modernize for where, where things are going. So what's the exciting news around NetApp in the last five years?
0: So, you know, it's, it's interesting. So NetApp has actually created more products in the last 18 months than, than NetApp has in the, the last 26 years uh, since it's it, it started. You know, NetApp was very, very big player in the early dot-com days, right? Kind of really powered the internet. It was it was know sun solaris systems and and connecting to uh netapp um but you know because we're we're creating these incredible uh cloud products uh and you know i think what's great too is we're using our own cloud products to develop and innovate faster so you know we keep we keep churning out more great uh products to be used in conjunction with you know the cloud world and you know we still have we still have a a very very large you know on-premise world right i mean I think uh, I think we're we haven't even hit that tipping point of uh, of the enterprise uh, critical apps, right? Yeah, my my uh, assertion
1: is always that we're going to hit a
0: saturation
1: point, even if we hit you know hit a tipping point. So right now, we spent the last you know five or six years kind of getting the low hanging fruit into the cloud, things we can typically lift and shift, you know, Java based applications, Python based applications, lamp lamp, uh, LAMP stack based stuff, things like that. And we're getting to things that are very much harder to do, you know, things that have to be refactored and changed and and data sets that have to be redone, restructured as we move them into the web. And I do think we're going to hit a point where it's just uneconomically viable to move certain data, certain data sets and certain workloads into the cloud. And I think those things are made on premise. It's funny. It's like a. Um, you know, everybody considers me the cloud guy. And one of the stories I tell is that, uh, you know, I think that, you know, one of the better businesses to invest in right now would being, you know, what's going to happen to those 30, 40% of the applications as to where they're going to run, what kind of hardware they're going to leverage, things like that. And I think the big enterprise company NetApp included are trying to look at where the next generation of this stuff is going to be. Is it, am I, am I missing something?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean you're right. You know, uh, what i've been talking about even for the last few years um, just just from doing cloud for so long and and helping customers even from the beginning days of of getting either you know, those low hanging fruit applications or you know kind of new new development out in the public cloud what i think's really happened is you know the longer you've been doing this you know doing you know this moving to public cloud, but also maintaining your on-prem, you're you're creating kind of this this, this large chasm between your environments. And the longer you're doing it, this greater the chasm is. And you're not only managing one uh, in-cloud, one on-prem, and then one together, right? that's like three infrastructures. But you're putting more money and more time into public cloud and and the legacy stuff is, is often neglected. And often getting harder to manage because you've, you've put so much work into your cloud native apps and to, you know, the automation that everything provides. So um, it's, it, it's getting harder and harder to move, you know, these business critical apps, uh, apps that really generate the most money for a lot of these companies, especially in the big enterprise and the, and the Fortune 500 companies. Um, and, you know, we, we, we all know, like, the, the more data sets you get together, the better your information is, right? The better the quality you're getting. So you know, we, we wanna get that information together. We want that seamless across anywhere. Yeah, and you
1: guys have experience in doing it. So probably more than some of the other companies out there. So what should some of the uh, millennials who um, you know, just got into cloud computing for the last five years and you know, have an experience or the enterprise-based you know, drudgery that we have both in our careers, what should they
0: know about NetApp that's kind of a key value proposition? So NetApp, NetApp today, I would would think of NetApp as data management data governance and it's it's bringing you know there's there's a lot of enterprise features that you may not be aware of if you've if you've started in cloud or born born in the cloud like you're not really familiar with snapshots or there's there's some types of data replications but you know you're you're not really you know replicating encrypted data you're not maintaining point in time copies and giving uh you know maybe active directory credentials and and permissions to Multiple different groups and kind of maintaining that um, it's, it, it's really about you know how are you managing massive data sets, the security around it and the uh, the connectivity um, and it, you know it's it's also you know it's nFs right so so we've got multiple uh, protocols going on we've got the we can handle windows and and uh, linux um, it's quite different than, than what you're used to in cloud as far as you know hey i've got to figure out what am I what am I actually putting on disk in cloud, right? How many IOPS do I need? What size uh, do I need this? If I'm looking at kind of block storage, there's a whole bunch of things you have to look at, right? And then what, what happens when you need to grow that? Or what happens when you need better performance on that? You know, it becomes kind of uh, hard to manage. a lot of lot of choice. So, you know, in the enterprise world, you kind of throw that on a NetApp. It's a it's a shared uh, volume, right? And uh, you, you usually throw millions of dollars at it to get the, the performance, but you don't really have to think about that. That manages the the, the, the storage. But so that's in- for, what's so that's where Azure NetApp Files fits in into the mix? Exactly, yeah. So so now now Azure NetApp Files is a first-party service from Azure. And, you know, it's it's in your console, but it's a little bit different storage, right? It's not meant to be the end-all of storage. It's meant to complement, and it's meant to be used in addition to what you're already using in Azure, right? So, you know, if you do have, uh, like, if you're, if you're moving SAP over, um, the best way to do that is on shared storage. Um, it's also you don't have to really predict what that bandwidth that you need, or what, you know, how many IOPS, you don't have to think about these kind of plumbing storage infrastructure details. You move all your data or you copy all your data with some of our other tools and, you know, you're, you're off to the races. Now, later on, when you say, oh, I need more performance on that. I need I need some, you know, serious performance on my data. You you know, it's an API call or it's, you know, you go to the, the, the UI and you change that to a high performance tier. Um, you know, if you if if anyone's ever done that in public cloud, you know, doing the 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 you know creating new uh, uh new new storage and copying and getting everything connected back over to those volumes, it's it's pretty difficult. Um, and, and we've solved that. Um, and again, it's it's complementary, right? So, what other products are you guys pushing in the market that are very much aligned with the same same kind of strategy? Yeah. So um, another one of my favorite ones is called Cloud Insights. And, you know, it's it's, it's it's taken from a product that uh, is probably almost in all the Fortune 100 or almost all the Fortune 100 companies that was a, a very big lift to bring in and to look at uh, very deep infrastructure and, uh, and application uh, performance and metrics. Um, we've turned that into a cloud product, it's a SaaS product, and it can look basically anything that you pointed at, right? So it's it's not just uh, it's not just infrastructure. It's not just application. It's it's everything, right? You can see uh, you know deep perf- performance and and what's going on and bottlenecks of Kubernetes and or storage and or VMs, right? Uh, great for networking too. And again, I like to tell people, you know, we have we have all these cloud products and they are they are fairly new, but they're 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 production ready. They're being used um, at scale. And you know they right now, you know, we're still adding features to them. You know they're not. They don't go head to head with some of the best uh, out there, but they will. And we have you know portfolio of them, so it's almost like you know, you can do less vendor management with uh, with our portfolio. So what are the use cases out there that people are leveraging your technology for? The ones I'm seeing the most right now uh, being implemented, and you know questions asked. You know just on a on a seven city tour, um, and and getting asked about uh, you know again moving SAP. People are really trying to get SAP moved um, into the cloud. Um, also with Oracle and, and some other, you know, big databases uh, that are on-prem, um, Linux, uh, people that have large Linux uh, farms are, are, are looking at this um, because it's a, a single, single point um, a storage for, for both, you know, enterprise companies have a, have a ton of legacy windows and even new windows, but they also have a lot of Linux and they're trying to manage that as well. Um, HPC is another one, um, that we're seeing a lot. And I think the, the most interesting thing that I've seen is the folks that are using, you know, that our, our products for HPC or big data, or even, even like kind of large, uh, Linux farms is after they see what they can do with that, with those use cases, now they're trying to figure out what else they can do with it. So what's a, what are the two most popular use cases for your technology? Right now, I'd say HPC and, and SAP, which, which are two of the hardest ones out there. It's really hard to satisfy anyone's, you know, requirements and goals uh, when, when you're talking about, you know, just the, the performance it takes to, to, you know, do a large-scale SAP or even even the big HPC. HPC storage has always been, you know, you've always had to be a, have a distributed, uh, you, you know, the more notes you throw at it, the better you're getting, and, and we solved that. I remember watching
1: five-year install times for SAP R3. So I think people kind of run scared when you
0: have to do anything with that technology. Would you, would you agree? Anything, anything. And, and not only that is, you know, you know, what else when you get into it, it's not just SAP, right? It's what else have you <laughs> integrated into your SAP environment? What are the homegrown stuff you've, you've put in? What are the third party uh, pieces that have been added? And again, you know, most SAP installs are not brand new. They're very old and most, most people who did install and and know the keys and know the right the skeletons everywhere are long gone
1: well i mean going forward i mean this is kind of the the harder problems like i mentioned that we're looking to solve and so we, we've we kind of been uh, babied a bit with uh you know cloud-based systems that are uh, you know solvable with very simple lift and shift kind of things and it is moving the erp systems the big data systems the existing uh, legacy environments that, you know, have to run someplace and the ability to kind of not only move them into the cloud, and I think in many instances that's going to be contraindicated, but the ability to modernize these things, so they're going to be in a much more efficient state. In fact, I think we should focus on the modernization of the stuff, you know, versus relocating everything to the cloud. What do you take? What's your take on that?
0: I you know I, last week or no sorry I'm getting confused this week this week in Dallas I had a very long conversation with uh, with someone who runs uh, uh, twenty thousand ESX hosts and we're talking about kind of migrating this and and um, you know I, 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 I'm I feel I'm a little bit different like I, I think you know lift and shift is not the best way to do things but I, I'm I'm a very much a fan of lift and shift because when you go in and try to refactor on-prem, you still have a lot of uh, complexities and you're still chained with with um, you know, your infrastructure. But if you can lift and shift, one, I've never seen anyone need more uh, resources uh, than they had when moving, right? You're always kind of going to uh, smaller instances in cloud. And you're now, again, the chains are off. Now you can start refactoring and re-architecting inside the cloud with everything at your disposal. Um, even with, with, with enterprise apps, um, you know, you may not be able to scale out, right? You, you know, that might be hard, but there's a lot of ways to scale up and there's a lot of ways to automate. And you can still automate, uh, you know, legacy applications when you're on the cloud. So what are you guys doing in the world of Kubernetes? So Kubernetes, that's a very, very interesting piece there. Um, uh, it's, it, it's, it's kind of why I'm, uh, I'm over at NetApp as well. So um, you know, NetApp has been buying uh, some of my favorite cloud companies. One of them was a company called StackPoint. And StackPoint was a company, um, you know, if you, if you wanted managed Kubernetes installed anywhere, uh, anywhere you could think of, they, they, were, they had connections everywhere, you know, on-prem and into any cloud, uh, that's who you would use. So um, NetApp bought StackPoint and now has, everything's integrated into our other cloud products and to our on-prem products. And it's called NKS, NetApp Kubernetes Service. Um, and, you know, it, Kubernetes is hard. It's, it's very much infrastructure. It's infrastructure as code, but it's still infrastructure. And, you know, the, when I talk to people out there and, uh, you know, I spent a, a lot of time and meetings at uh, Microsoft Build and, you know, uh, one, most people are like, what's Kubernetes, what's NetApp, right? And, uh, you know, two, anyone that was using Kubernetes that was at the conference was was using kind of a managed uh, Kubernetes service with AKS. Um, it's, it's it's very difficult and it's very difficult to scale it and to do upgrades, um, but, you know, you're Developers want that. They 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 love the flexibility. They love what they can do with it. Um, and you know we're seeing that we have a lot of customers that want apps um, in several different locations. They want their Kubernetes on prem and in a couple of different clouds. Um, the apps may not be able to federate quite yet. You know we're still working on uh, developing federated apps, but you know we're there. We're there to support it so that you can build federated apps now. It's all it's all uh, the, the 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 plumbing's laid down. So what advice
1: would you give to an enterprise that's looking to move substantial application infrastructures into
0: Kubernetes? Oh, well, you know, one, don't do it alone, right? Um, you know, it, it's, it's, if you're gonna ride a bike, you don't get on a motorcycle and take off, right? And you get some training wheels on and, and you do that. And I think, I think that's what we offer. We offer, uh, uh, it's, it's again, fully managed, uh, everything's connected. It's a, it's a very simple uh, UI and uh, great API access. And, you know, it's we have trials so you can you know, put your apps on it and, and, and try it out and let it run. Um, you know, it's, it's also one of those things where, you know, you, yes, the training wheels can come off and it is a sport bike if you want it to. Um, you know, it's 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 it grows with you. So, you know, it's, it's probably the best starting point that you can have, though.
1: Yeah, I think it is a pretty good starting point. What, what do you think the evolution is going to be over the next five years as far as use for Kubernetes? What are we going to be talking about if we're doing this podcast in
0: 2024? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because, I mean, especially for, for us talking, right? I mean, I think when I think, um, the f- first podcast I was on with you, we were talking about CloudStack. Um, I, I know I had you on my OpenStack podcast, and you know, now we're, we're talking Kubernetes. I think Kubernetes is going to live longer, though. I, I think Kubernetes has a, has a very long life because of um, uh, how it's been set up, uh, the adoption of it. It's still, it's still, you know, there's so much room for growth and it's done the right way and it's integrated into e- what everyone's doing as far as, uh, you know, every, every vendor out there is, is integrating it the right way and is using it. Um, it's, it's, it is the best way to do cloud native applications. Yeah, and it's, not, it's not trying to replace a cloud. I think that's where we get, oh. you know,
1: yeah. we run into it. And unless you have, uh, you know, $20 billion to spend on R&D and in marketing, that's going to be a very tough market to break into. And what we're doing is, in essence, trying to augment the platforms within platforms, correct?
0: You're right. You're right.
1: And so if you look at Kubernetes, it's kind of bringing to, you know, bringing to bear a lot of the things that are on the to-do list for lots of folks who were, you know, doing the next generation architectures. And certainly when we, you know, develop containers and they say oh this stuff is cool we don't want you know want to build applications this way but you know no way we can make these things scale and no way we'd leverage these things cluster using clusters clustering and orchestration uh scheduling as well you know outside of something like kubernetes that's why i think it just exploded exploded in use so what kind of new innovations you guys have going on at netapp going forward Oh, there's, there's
0: <laughs> so many things. I think, I think the, 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 the best thing that excites me the most is a uh, product we have called orchestrator. And, uh, you know, the best way to, to explain this is, you know, imagine using tags for your data and your applications. Um, if you, if you created a tag called production and assigned it all the values that you thought were necessary, like, you know, you, you wanted to run it uh, in this many uh, places, you wanted to have it run this many containers, or this this type of persistence that you would want. Um, uh, you want this type of replication, or this back uh, this many backups, and where it goes. You know, it, it's it's thinking about the applications and data together. But so anyone in your infrastructure, if you're using Orchestrator, and you let's say you were, were launching Kubernetes, and you would tag you know those applications as production, and maybe tag a couple data sets as production. Um, that's it, right? It's following these rules. So we're getting, we're we're really simplifying what you're doing um, with with you know again this this very complex world of of multiple clouds and on prem and you know uh, hundreds of vendors. We're making this very simple so that everything is is visible and everything is tagged and everything's automated because of the structure you put in place. You can search the tags. You can look up everything. Um, you know, imagine uh, your your apps. Uh, deploying from where your data uh, is, and your data is where your apps want to be, right? It's, um, that's, that's, that's the future we're building right now. So where can we find uh, more information on the web about NetApp and yourself? So go to cloud.netapp.com. Uh, that's a great overview of, of our products. It's also the portal that you would log into and to uh, demo uh, everything that we have. Um, and you can find me. Uh, I'm, I'm usually on the Twitter at Jeff Dickey. All right. Go check out, go, go check out Jeff,
1: uh, Jeff's Twitter account. Uh, like I said, he's in, in working in mover and shaker in the industry as well. And also uh, look at NetApp in terms of their various technologies that they have to offer. And there's many uh, folks who are just getting into the cloud space that uh, don't understand where NetApp came from. Very strong player and the interspace, enterprise space, and they're taking that uh, they are taking that to the cloud as well. So please pick up a copy of my book, Cloud Computing and Soa Convergence, available on Amazon and other places books are sold. Also, please make sure to follow me on Twitter as well, at, at David Linticum, L-I-N-T-H-I-C-U-M, as well as LinkedIn, where I have several cloud computing courses on LinkedIn Learning. Until next time, best of luck in building your cloud computing offerings. We'll guys, talk to you guys real soon. Bye-bye.
0: If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in Cloud, please check out the other ones. Removing hybrid and multi-cloud complexity is the focus of a report that David wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about taking IT to the next level, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and
1: business strategies.